Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga. And thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm Tracy Koga and welcome to Hue at Home. This is Black History Month and boy what a difference a year makes. Now more than ever we know about oppression, systemic racism and discrimination against black people and people of color. But we move forward. Today we look towards the new young trailblazers that are opening the doors for opportunity and inclusion. I'll sit down with pop recording star Therese and she'll talk about how she's using her voice to speak about the power of women. But now, let's meet Angela Cassie and Tanya Lafreniere. They're two women that you're going to hear a lot about. They're stepping into brand new roles created for them at the National Gallery of Canada as the gallery moves forward to more diversity and inclusion in the future. I want to give a warm and wonderful welcome to Angela and Tanya. And we're going to hear more from these two incredible women that have, I guess, I want to say kind of dream jobs, ladies, because these are brand new roles created. I wouldn't, I wouldn't well, I'm going to say it just for you. And, but I mean, these roles have their incredible titles. So I'm going to go first with Angela. Angela, we know each other, you know, Winnipeg girls, but boy, oh boy, so happy and proud for you. So first of all, Angela, please say your full and proper title with the National Gallery of Canada. Yes, well, thank you so much for this time today. And uh, yeah, I've been thrilled to start as the new Vice President of Strategic Transformation and Inclusion with the National Gallery of Canada. Oh, I, that We'll get into all of that because I have lots of questions. And Tanya, so good to see you and welcome to Hue at Home. And your title, Tanya, is very interesting. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Um, at the gallery, uh, my role there is uh, Senior Vice President, People, Culture and Belonging. Oh, belonging. Oh, that's a big word. <laughs> that means mm-hmm. so many things today. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm going to go uh, open it up. Angela, Give us a little background and how you managed to land this incredible job. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have uh, encountered the CEO of the uh, National Gallery, uh, Dr. Sasha Suda, uh, over the last year. And uh, we've just had a number of conversations about the need for the cultural sector to evolve and change. Um, And it was, you know, kind of 
colleagues in the sector having conversations. And she was talking about how they were grappling with how to implement um, these changes within the institution. And they were looking for someone who had a cultural sector background uh, that had a background in justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion work. And so it started uh, a conversation. And what I was really excited about is that she recognized the importance of having this role uh, at the executive leadership table with a really clear mandate Mm -hmm. and um, clear authority. And so worked uh, with Tanya, who was already uh, starting to do some work with the National Gallery to formalize that role. Um, And so, you know, it was something that kind of was born out of a lot of reflection and conversation, uh, but also recognized the significance of uh, having a role like that at at the table. So was thrilled to be able to um, fill that seat. Wow. And for yourself, Tanya, your journey? Uh, My journey to here... um was brought by a common friend, a mutual contact that uh, Dr. Uh, Sush, uh, Sasha Suda and I have in common, somebody I had worked with previously at CBC. And uh, we got into into contact, started talking about the challenges uh, organizationally and the change uh, and the new strategic plan that, that was being implemented. But there seemed to be um, a lot of uh, opportunity to bring uh, human resources, which is now people, culture, and belonging. We rebranded it uh, to a new level, uh, more of a, a strategic uh, business partner level, uh, operating at all all levels of the organization. So I was really pleased uh, to see this role uh, created um, and that it has a voice at the decision-making table as well. Uh, so I think this is going to be great. And along with Angela's role, I think uh, in partnership we're going to be able to uh, to make great things happen this year, for sure. Well, it certainly is strange times. No one could ever, ever think that we would be doing meetings or virtual uh, <laughs> get-togethers like this, but it does draw people together. So, Angela, and then Antonia, please chime in on this. What kind of changes do you see that are, should be made right away, and what kind of, I guess, future do you both see that will be, you know, a brighter future for the National Gallery Canada? Yeah, well, I mean, the National Gallery has already um, started down a path where conversations about reconciliation was informing the work uh, that the the organization was doing. Um, It's had a number of uh, Indigenous employees and curators. It has one of the largest collections of Indigenous contemporary art in the world. Um, and so uh, the steps had begun to be uh, taken. Uh, but it's more than just the programming. And I think that's where that word collaboration that Tanya mentioned is really key. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about now taking that and looking at all of our policies, our programs, our informal and formal practices, and using an anti-racism, anti-oppression lens Uh, to really create an institution inside and out Mm -hmm. uh, where people feel empowered, uh, where people feel a sense of belonging and where, uh, you know, an increasingly diverse staff contributes to the creativity and innovation of of the National Gallery. So, uh, you know, our mandate is to look at all of those places and spaces. Um, That's a major change project. 
Uh, I think that's why Tanya and I are both uh, excited to be partners at that table because it does relate very closely to the people. So we want to look at training and equipping people to be successful with this change and transition to learn and to understand issues related to anti-racism, anti-oppression, and then translate that into their day-to-day work and uh, also in what we present to the public. So it's it's a huge uh, task. And what we're really trying to do with the strategic plan is provide that common sense of vision to our teams to be transparent to the public and really take the steps that we need for this uh, transformation. Uh, and, it, and I don't use that word lightly when I use transformation, but it is all encompassing. And I think that's part of what's really excited exciting, but it also is a a huge and long path. Um, And it's about continuous learning. So, you know, we're starting, um, starting from a foundation of some early um, important efforts, um, but it's about continuing to evolve the organization over time. Wow. Um, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm going, well, it's an art gallery, but is it a museum? (laughs) Uh, So maybe, you know, Tanya, too, you can kind of you know, add into this, and and Tanya too, it's culture, people, and belonging. So belonging, does that mean like Angela was sort of saying too, it's the culture and the people that work there, they belong, but it's also creating a sense of belonging too for me, the general public that come into the gallery too? Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's a sense of belonging where people feel secure, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and for employees internally to be feel supported and for our visitors to be able to see themselves represented in our collection. So I think overall at a high level, that's what we're trying to what we're trying to strive for mm-hmm. um, with people, culture and belonging internally. Uh, we're going to be building a lot of tools to support um, the strategic plan that Angela is going to be implementing across the organization. And some of those tools that we're going to be implementing is, you know, like true succession planning, um, revising our recruitment strategy with a justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion lens, uh, ensuring that we've got training and development plans for, uh, for individuals uh, that, uh, that are going to be growing within the organization and just employees as a whole to make sure that mm-hmm. uh, they're engaged. Uh, part of our mandate is to ensure an engaged um, and diverse Uh, workforce within the organization and making sure that our retention is high and people want to stay. So that's that's something as well. And um, no organization is perfect, but making sure that we work through conflict respectfully and together, uh, making sure that we're giving leaders uh, at all levels of the organization tools on how to manage difficult situations, especially now, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that people uh, are feeling valued and supported and uh, are able to make mistakes uh, without uh, feeling fear, um, ensuring that people feel safe enough to be vulnerable um, and to give each other feedback and to grow together. So that's that's the ambiance that we're, we're mm-hmm. trying to create organizationally. And I think with the with the uh, the appointment of Angela and I, it's uh, it's it's definitely um, a strong demonstration of that commitment. Well, and I totally agree with you when you talk about a safe place. And now more than ever, right? It is totally in every conversation, um, and you know, and also to 
diversity and the sense of belonging too is so important. Uh, question like to, okay, Angela, uh, this might be, my, well, it is my kind of opinion or how mm -hmm. I perceive art galleries is mainly white, um, mm -hmm. mainly male, and usually old. <laughs> and I hate to say that. Well, you know what? I don't. Um, but that's, you know, first impressions. Are, is this now the new? And are we going to see more Angela's and Tanya's around the, around the world? Yeah, um, well, you're not going to see any of my art on the walls, but I think <laughs> um, what we're trying to create is place and space on all of those levels. So I think, you know, the cultural sector has done a great job of bringing more um, female leadership into mm -hmm. spaces, um, yet a lot of those women continue to be from the dominant culture. So uh, it is white women. And that was an important step forward, but there's still more work to do mm -hmm. on an inclusive inclusivity um, standpoint. So when we're looking at the diversity within the teams, whether it be Indigenous, Black, or racialized communities, we are not um, strongly represented at all levels of the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of it is um, at junior, junior or entry level positions. So uh, when Tanya is talking about training, recruitment, succession planning, um, and retention, mm -hmm. it's about um, creating that workplace where um, individuals from different communities see the art gallery as a place for them that will um, respect and um, value the talent and the perspectives they bring at the table and that it's more than just a seat at the table it's a voice at that table and it's an ability to uh, contribute in a meaningful way to the work of the gallery mm -hmm. but it's also looking at that collection so mm -hmm. I think you know if you're looking at um, the thousands of wonderful pieces of art uh, within uh, the gallery and this is one of our activities right now we generally know that it's largely white male and european mm -hmm. um, but we don't have uh, numbers to support that and what we want to be able to do is to diversify the collection and ensure that other voices are included uh, in 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 the works of art uh, because we're preserving this for canadians for generations mm -hmm. to come and so it's a demonstration of our values um, and so, you know, when I say, well, do, do we have work from, from Black artists? We can't easily answer that question at this time. Um, and so part of what we're doing is how do we, how are we collecting? What are we collecting? Um, and it's not to say that there's not a richness in, in having like the Rembrandts of the world kind of uh, displayed, but there are so many other names and so many other voices and so many other perspectives uh, in in art and how we define beauty and how we define fine art. Um, we need to challenge all of those constructs so that the gallery space is one uh, that's more inclusive. Wow, I mean, you're really opening up my eyes now to how to view an art gallery. Tanya, I'm gonna talk a little bit about our art gallery here, The WAG, and um, you know, director Stephen Boris has done an amazing job and we're so excited to open Hama York, uh, which was formerly known as the Inuit Art Center and now you know they truly are trying to embrace uh, definitely the Inuit artists but also all indigenous artists too as well. Um, you know a, a place like this is a place to educate people to learn how important is it Tanya to really kind of listen to other people's stories and not judge. I have a, a, a slogan from a dear friend 
acceptance without understanding. How far away can we be from this? Because I am just, I would just like to see or view people as people, as a human being, as having a heart and everything like that. And I think that's very important and, and if we're like in society just in general. And if we're talking in the context of, you know, our workplace, uh, any workplace really, I think that's very important, that, that sense of belonging, uh, immersion, being supported. Uh, and I really do believe that the only way an organization can really achieve this is by making sure that you have the right leadership in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, without the right leadership um, and the right competencies at those levels, um, true uh, feedback and communication and change, um, keeping it respectful um, will, will be hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're not ensuring that the right leadership is there to be able to lead the organization through turbulent times, reassure employees, making sure that they're included and respected and growing. Uh, it's a tall task, right? And yeah. leadership isn't as glamorous as people think it is. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're the first. You're the first to get the finger pointed at. No, I... Exactly. <laughs> so... And if it is easy, um, you might be missing something. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's often the case. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, I think, what's happened here. Uh, our CEO, uh, Dr. Sasha Suda, has quickly realized that, that there was a strong need for change internally. And I think this is what you're seeing here uh, very much with uh, Angela and myself and the strategic roles that have been um, adopted within mm-hmm. the organization and given a, a very uh, important voice of influence and change. Um, yeah, so I, I really do believe that, you know, it starts with the leadership. And um, often if there's toxicity within an organization or exclusion, mm-hmm. um, you, you can easily point it somewhere uh, in the senior levels where, uh, where culture ultimately begins. Well, and, you know, women, we get it. We're so smart. We can see it right away. You know, it doesn't take five years or whatever to figure out. Uh, and speaking of women and like yourselves, um, Angela, role models. Well, we've seen it, you know, Kamala, you know, mm-hmm. her, her big job and, and now in the White House. Um, how important is it? Oh, not, and I would think very important, but seeing yourselves as role models for women, younger women, um, maybe wanting to do a career like this? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I hear those words and I, I am humbled by them. You know, if, if people see me as a, a role model, I feel like I have so much to learn myself. Uh, but the reality is a lot of what I've been able to achieve in my career is because of um, other women who mm-hmm. um, had a motto of lifting while they climbed. Um, and I think that that's uh, really important. So. To me, uh, I've benefited a lot from those who came before me. Uh, there are a lot of people who shattered ceilings. Uh, and so, you know, my job is to kind of try to do the same and, and bring other people along um, this journey with me. So I think that's why I was very excited as well with um, Tanya's plans around succession to formalize it. Mm-hmm. I think you can be an informal mentor, and that's really important. But to have a sponsor or a champion within organizations or within the sector uh, 
who can tell you there are interesting jobs out there in, yeah. in the cultural sector. And, you know, I was joking with one of my cousins who's a, a young artist, and, and I would say for myself as a child of immigrants, um, art wasn't necessarily one of those um, yes. fields um, that uh, we were exposed to. Uh, they're not systems that we were familiar with or knew how to navigate. Um, and so uh, part of it is, uh, you know, understanding, you know, I have a political science and communications background. Um, I'm not an art historian or I don't have a museum degree, but there are very, very interesting roles within uh, these organizations. And they need, you know, human rights or, and human resource specialists. Mm. You know, they need people who have uh, equity and diversity as a background. Um, you know, you can have a, a, a different educational path and background and still have a really rich uh, career. So I think that's part of um, what's exciting when I speak to uh, younger women and encourage them um, in, in this field, uh, that you can have a, a rich and, and exciting career. Oh, well, hopefully, and I love it, Tanya, you, uh, to copy what uh, Angela said, the succession and training, because again, yes, Angela pointed out that, you know, some people just weren't, those fields, the field of art just wasn't, you know, given to them. Um, but to create that opportunity is great. Tanya, words of wisdom from you. Words of wisdom. Um, you know, one, one thing that's really helped me a lot was to never shy away from feedback. Mm -hmm. and, and to never take it personally. Um, and this goes for both uh, men and women, um, more experienced and less experienced professionals, um, all walks of life. It's, it's often bitter. And it's really important to listen to where it's coming from, whom it's coming from, and why they're telling you. Um, and, and use your judgment, but not, not to shy away from it or, or, or to... Or to you know, avoid it. It's, it's just something that I think has helped me a long way. And I've been very lucky to have very honest people around me uh, that's helped shape my, my leadership style and, and my career going forward. That's often, often the, the one piece of advice that, um, that I, can, I can give to, to anyone that I'm mentoring is to embrace the feedback and grow from it. Oh. And that's sometimes so hard to do, but so, so true. I want to mm -hmm. thank you both, Angela and Tanya. We wish you all the best, and we can hardly wait. Maybe um, six months from now when you're, you know, flying back and forth, Angela, <laughs> to the, and uh, we can kind of catch up and, and see how things are going. I would love a virtual tour. I've never been to the mm -hmm. National Gallery of Canada, so I'll put that on yeah. my bucket list. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, you might be able to fly back and forth as well. So you'd always be welcome into the gallery. It, it feels like an imaginary world where you just go onto a plane and go somewhere now. I know. But it, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know what? Thank you so much, ladies. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you Thank for your you time. Again. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Well, I'd like to give a very warm Winnipeg welcome to Therese, who's in Calgary right now. And, and Calgary is your home, correct, Therese? Yeah, I was born and raised here. Aw, well, you know, young lady, uh, what attracted me when I saw, your, uh, saw you and heard your, some of your music is that you really um, are the epitome of young musicians today. Um, doing it all and my goodness you're 24 and some of the things that you've accomplished pretty incredible so let's uh, fill us all in Therese when you, with your personal story on how you got to where you are today yeah well first of all thank you so much um, I started loving music when I was really young I used to actually sneak into my brother's room. He was given this guitar by my parents, and I would sneak in and play his guitar. My parents were like, that's actually nice. Don't touch it. <laughs> um, and so they ended up getting me my own guitar, like kind of the Toys R Us, like little, little plastic thing, and I loved it with my whole heart. I just loved it, and I started writing songs on there, and I just really fell in love with music at that age. And when I was about 16, I decided that this was the route I wanted to go. And initially, I started as a songwriter, mostly in the country scene, being from Alberta. Um, and then I ventured off into pop. And now I do R&B, K-pop, hip-hop, a lot of different genres. And you've also uh, are very creative and have a pretty smart and savvy marketing and social media background, too. I mean, you've done, done a lot of that work, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as an independent artist, initially you kind of have no choice but to learn how to do everything. And I really just enjoy the creative aspects of it and just throwing myself at creativity, whatever it might be, I think is really fun. And I think it's really fun to wear different hats and try on different positions. Um, and I just really enjoyed that. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about your latest song, Hot Mess. That's it's a very catchy tune, but I, I love the lyrics, too, as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So give us a little background on, on Hot Mess. What is it all about? Yeah, so I actually went on a date, and I left, it was actually my wallet, in an Uber. And the next day, I spent the morning trying to get my wallet back. And I just was poking fun at myself, being like, oh, my gosh, you're such a hot mess. And I ended up just sitting down and writing this song, waiting for the Uber driver to get back to me. Um, just kind of poking fun and, and giving myself some grace and, and allowing myself to be a hot mess. And I thought that um, given just so much heaviness in the world right now, just a light, fun song to be like, if you're messy, I am too, let's own it, we'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> I thought that would be a good time for a song like this. And how has it been for you? Uh, Therese, through all of this, the isolation, pandemic, obviously not being able to, let alone see your friends, but even get into a recording studio. How have you kind of pivoted? Yeah, I've actually found it's been almost like a creative incubator in a way because you have so much time to create. Instead of scheduling time to create during my normal schedule, mm -hmm. um, it's just whenever the inspiration hits, whenever you just want to write a new song you can and that's that's been actually really cool and beneficial because i know that when things go back to quote unquote normal um that probably won't be the case and so i'm trying to just really enjoy that um i'm a very optimistic person so i'm like <laughs> always looking for the silver lining it's definitely i think 
just like anybody, it's been a struggle. It's been an adjustment. Um, but I think I'm just really trying to look for the positives and see all the ways that it has benefited my career and my creativity. What kind of messaging or what kind of music uh, do you want to create, Therese, for your fans, but also sending a message to young women, young women like yourself, um, that may want to get into the business too, as what you're in. What kind of music uh, would you want to be known as? Yeah, well, actually, I'm really excited because I'm about to release my first EP. And on that EP, there's topics like the pressures of social media, mental health, um, and the classic getting through heartbreak. And I really, um, I really admire writers that can write songs other than just relationship type songs. Mm-hmm. And it, I'll be honest, as a writer, it's a struggle because it's so <laughs> easy to pull from um, those types yeah. of situations. But I think the more that we normalize talk around um, the pressures of social media and, and mental health, like we've been working on, um, on creating these stigmas that just they're not serving young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and although we know that there's pressures around social social media, we're not really seeing a lot of that come into art and talking about that and talking about ways to actually work with that instead of just, yeah, there's pressures around social media and that's the end of the discussion there. Um, really kind of diving into that's actually normal to feel that way. You're, you're normal. This is a new thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that you do talk about that. Social media is like the biggest way, right, for young artists to get their music out nowadays. Um, and you're also on TikTok. Okay, I, I confess I don't know a lot about TikTok, but obviously heard a lot about it. So how are you using TikTok or, or what do you find uh, that you like TikTok so much or maybe not? Yeah, I think with any social media, there's the upside and the downside. TikTok, just the same. Um, it's algorithm-driven content, so whatever you're looking at it and liking, it's just going to serve you more of that. So if you're in a negative headspace and you're looking at negative things, then TikTok's mm-hmm. going to continuously serve you up negative things. Um, so don't love it in that sense. But um, I made a funny video that kind of caught on. Um that was essentially like, don't be polite to men that creep you out. Don't be polite to men that creep you out. Don't be polite to men. It's not your job to comfort them. Don't be polite to men that creep you out. And that was one of the coolest experiences I've had on the app because all of these um, mothers started recreating it with their children doing it. Um, And really the messaging, like, I kind of threw it out there as a joke. I didn't really get too in depth into it and the message is not don't be polite to men i think everyone deserves respect but it was validating women that if you're in an uncomfortable situation you don't need to be polite you need to be safe and you need to do what you need to do to get out of there sometimes yeah maybe that is being polite but it's also just having the message that you got to do what you got to do your safety is number one and you need to look out for yourself in those situations and um, yeah, seeing mothers recreate that with their kids, I was like, wow, this platform has so much more 
to it than just funny videos. And that was really the first time I, I got to witness that for myself on TikTok. Well, congratulations. That is very cool and, and what a message. And Thank you're right. You. I mean, if you can figure out all these platforms and use it like that to your advantage, then wow, sky's the limit for you. And I just wanted to quickly add, so you, home says Calgary and Nashville. So you've spent time in Nashville too as well? Yeah, I've spent quite a bit of time in Nashville. Um, I typically spend about half my year there. I absolutely love Nashville. It feels like my second home, and I'm really, really looking forward to going back. So who have you worked with? Um, actually, having been there so much, most of my friend group is based there now. And so it's awesome because a lot of my friends are in the industry, and we get to relate over this weird, wild um, industry that is can be quite challenging to relate to. And so I get to work with a lot of my friends, which has been amazing. I get to work with um, artists as a songwriter in the room, writing for them, um, producers. I actually just started to get into my own um, music production as well this year. So I'm looking forward to being able to flex those skills once I'm back. Oh my goodness, well you're a one woman mighty woman machine there um so it's it's been crazy i know this year has been crazy do you look forward to the day where you can be on stage in front of fans absolutely absolutely i do i miss it with my whole heart i think that hopefully this has been a time where we really realize how treasured those um, experiences are and I think the concerts and sports games are very similar in that it's like this big exchange of energy and you get to be in a room with all these like-minded people um, and I think that I horribly miss that and I'm sure other people are feeling it too whether they're the ones on stage or in the audience and I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, well we can hardly wait to come and see your next concert, Therese, and you will play us out with an acoustic version of Hot Mess? Yes, you got it. Okay. All right, this is Hot Mess. Waking up today, real hungover, but I left my phone in the Uber, made out with the guy, and he's super delicious like a cupcake, and my tasty mistake, me hot foods, tired vixen, bottle of booze, in the kitchen, burn cigarettes, and my ambition, I had a hell of a night, if I remember it right. Oh, mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to Hue at Home. Well, for the last 10 days or so, we have been living in a polar vortex, and that means weather below 30 degrees Celsius every day. And though we are warm and sheltered in our homes, you can still feel the bone chill of dead winter and can't imagine being out on the streets with no shelter. Our life coach, Linda Drastowicz, will give us a lesson on how to address the homeless and see them in a real human light. I wanted to talk about how we think about people who are homeless and how the the thoughts that we have either take us in the direction of compassionate action or they take us away from compassionate action into uh, inaction, into feeling removed from that problem. And it is a very real problem in our community. So I like to, you know, break it down uh, into, you know, the thoughts that we're thinking, the feelings they generate, the actions we're taking and the results we get. So if you have the thought about people who are homeless, that it's their own fault, uh, they brought this on themselves, if they only worked harder, they wouldn't be homeless. If you have those thoughts, and listen, those are thoughts that are pervasive in our world. And it is, um, if you have those thoughts, don't sit in judgment of yourselves. Become aware of the thoughts that you're thinking and see that if you have those thoughts, they're going to generate feelings of judgment, distaste, uh, distance, feeling removed from the problem and that those feelings are going to uh, cause you to take little action in you, you know you'll just kind of wash your hands of it and the result is that uh, the people who are homeless do not get your support or your help and the other way of looking at it, same circumstance, people are homeless in Winnipeg. If you have the thoughts, they need access to better resources, I can help create better resources, there are things that I can do to help this problem. If you have those thoughts, you're much more likely to think, uh, to feel um, motivated, uh, compassionate, energized, and the actions that you're going to take are going to be, you know, maybe you'll, you'll research which organizations are helping, how you can talk to your um, members of the Legislative Assembly, how you can have conversations with people that you know, with your children, about people who are homeless. And the result is that people who are homeless get our support, get our help. Um, they, they have our support to advocate for themselves, which is ultimately the best. Uh, the people who need the services are advocating and speaking up for what they need, and we are supporting them. So 
that's just a couple of ideas of how our thoughts create our results. And if we want as a result, uh, people in Winnipeg uh, to have access to affordable housing, access to the supports they need, we need to become aware of the thoughts that we're thinking, the way that's making us feel and the actions that we're taking and how we can lean towards more compassionate action. We want to thank all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. What compassionate act have you done lately? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehu. But for now, stay safe, warm, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. Listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.